last week we, we looked at the first few verses of Numbers chapter 1. We were challenged as to whether we could uh, stand up as professing Christians and declare our pedigree with assurance of our salvation. You know, many of us perhaps should be able to declare where we came from or where we're coming from going back to our pedigree in the Lord Jesus Christ you know I'd assumed we would carry on with chapter 1 where the numbering took place we, they, they were starting to number the children of Israel over those over 20 years of age who were ready for war able to go into war, into battle but you know I started looking at it and I think we'll just go back to verse 1 again <laughs> And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. We probably should have started with this. But for some reason we didn't. And I'm sure there's a good reason somewhere in it. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. We saw that the wilderness was, Sinai was called thorny. It was going to be a difficult job going through this wilderness. When Israel left and had been redeemed out of Egypt, it was the plan of God for them to bring them into the land of Canaan. And if we go back to Exodus, Exodus chapter 15, you'll read a few verses there. Exodus 15, the song of Moses. Moses sang a song after they came over the Red Sea. And this is part of the song, Exodus 15 and verse 15. It's a song he was singing to the Lord. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. No, go back to 14. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Philistia. People are going to hear about what God had done to the for the children of Israel. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away, because God was bringing them into Canaan. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased, and thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. He sang this song, and the object of it was to praise God for bringing them out of Egypt, but also to say that God was going to bring them into the land of Canaan. But the problem was, the problem was, they'd come over the Red Sea, they'd come up out of Egypt. The, tr the trouble was, it was a wilderness between where they were and Canaan. And there was no known way or no marked way through this wilderness. And we want to look at this wilderness this morning. Just, and I believe this is very important. I really, 
said to, 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 to Rosemary, I, I believe what we're going to look at this morning is very important. I really do feel that. Look at this wilderness that they had to pass through. Deuteronomy 1 verse 9. These are various descriptions of it. And when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness. This great and terrible wilderness. Deuteronomy 8.15 Speaking of God, it said, Who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water. That's the description of this wilderness they were going to have to go through. It was a great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought and where there was no water. Deuteronomy 32 verse 10 He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. Howling with wild beasts it would appear. As the children of Israel had to pass through the wilderness to get to Canaan, they had no option. They had to. Canaan was the land flowing with milk and honey where God was going to bring them. And so we redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ have to pass through a wilderness. That wilderness is this wicked, barren world. We're redeemed, but we still have to go through the wilderness. And the important thing that we want to learn is that we have to, how we face up to going through this wilderness. That's the important thing. How we face up to the life of having to go through the wilderness. It was a great and terrible wilderness fiery serpents scorpions drought no water a wasteland with howling wild beasts wasn't a hospitable place it was a fearful and a dreadful place place of danger where the wild beasts roamed place of dry thirsty barren ground a place of no water so the ground was never irrigated and was unfruitful wasteland you know it's a very apt description isn't it of the world which we have to go through as Christians it's a place of death place of death where there's no food as far as the Christian is concerned and that's the point we want to get over. The world is constantly thirsty, seeking to satisfy itself. You know, every time, I remember years ago, that struck me. Uh, as soon as the, the, the crowd of fellows would be down having coffee, as soon as they'd had one thing over, they were planning the next thing that they were going to do. Just planning it. Because it never satisfied them. Never satisfied them. The ground is still dry and constantly wants more and more and more. But there was no water. There was no water. In pleasure's broken systems. I learned this 
in Sunday school we used to go, have to get up and say little things at the annual uh, bunworthy thing. And one of the things I learned was, in pleasures broken cisterns I sought to quench my thirst, but blinded by the devil's wiles, I knew not they were burst. In pleasures broken cisterns I sought to quench my thirst, but blinded by the devil's wiles, I knew not they were burst. Here is where in this wilderness we'll be attacked by the fiery darts of Satan. This is where Satan roams like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Look at 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's what it said. It was a howling wasteland. The animals were there. And Satan is there going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And as we go through the wilderness, we must be aware that we will have adversaries in this. And they have to be aware of that fact. And that's why God said, when you're going to choose these people, you're going to number them, number the ones that are able to go to war. We must be sober, calm, collected in spirit, temperate, dispassionate, careful. That's what it means to be sober. And vigilant. Be sober. Be vigilant. To take heed. Lest through remission and indolence. Some destructive calamity suddenly overtake one. That's what the strong says. Vigilant. Take heed. Lest something overtake you. Unawares. This wilderness is a totally unfriendly, alien, dangerous place. And it is for Christians, as it was for the children of Israel. Go to Psalm 22 and see what, how our Lord was treated in this wilderness. Verse 6. A reproach of men and despised by the people. That's what happened to him. He was despised. We read that lovely description, do you remember, a few weeks ago of, of the Lord Jesus. He was a social man. He went about doing good. But what did the wilderness do to him? It despised him. Verse 7. All that see me laugh me to scorn. He who went about doing good, they laughed him to scorn. Verse 12. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. These wild animals were round about him, attacking him. The dogs have compassed me in verse 16 the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me and of course they pierced his hands and his feet that's what he got from the wilderness if this is how our Lord our blessed Lord was treated in the wilderness 
why should we seek friendship here? You know, uh, just as the physical needs of the children of Israel were not met by the environment of the wilderness, so our spiritual needs will never be met in this world. The wilderness is a place of death. We as Christians should be dead to the world, dead to the wilderness as we pass through it. Paul says in Romans 6 verse 2, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We should have as much interest in the wilderness as a dead man has to the world. He's dead. He's no interest in the world. And that's the way we should be. The test for us is to accept the wilderness as a scene of death. We have to accept that if we're going to progress. And there's no resource here for us except which comes from God. You know, the only resource the children of Israel had as they went through the desert came from above or came by divine intervention. That's the only resource they had as they went through. There is nothing in this world to sustain us except that which comes from God. As Christians, we cannot live spiritually from the fruits of the wilderness. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians 5, verse 10. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, it says in verse 9. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with the, the fruit that you see growing in the desert, in the wilderness. Have no fellowship with that unfruitful work. It says proving what is acceptable to God. We have to prove what is acceptable to God. I looked that up. To test, examine, prove, scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. We have to look at the things around us to see. We have to examine them. Prove what is acceptable to God. What is acceptable to God? How do I know? We have to look at it, prove it, test it, examine it. To recognize whether it's genuine after examination. To approve. To deem whether it's worthy or not. For us to accept. Is it acceptable to God? Have no fellowship. When we find something that isn't acceptable to God. Then we don't have any fellowship with it. Because it's an unfruitful work. Of darkness. And then it goes on to say, but rather reprove them. And I was interested when I looked this up last night in Strong's or on Friday. It says, reprove them, to convict. Generally with a suggestion of shame of the person convicted. To 
reprove by conviction, to bring to light, to expose, to reprehend severely, to admonish, to call to account, to show one his fault, and to demand an explanation. Because unless we examine things, we don't know what's acceptable to God. The things that are not acceptable to God, we have to reprove, and we have to discard. Let's go back to Numbers. What did the Israelites eat in the desert? They ate manna. Where did the manna come from? It came from God. What did they drink in the desert? They drank, drank the water from the rock. The water wasn't there naturally. God intervened and gave them the water. What did Jesus say? Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In 1 Corinthians 10.4 And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock. The rock was a type, it says here. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. The drinking of that water was as a spiritual picture of us drinking and being fed by God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's the only spiritual food we have as we go through the wilderness. We don't get it from the world. The world is dead. It produces death. The only drink we can get is by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, you'll never thirst, you'll never hunger. That's the only food we have as we go through this wilderness. I'm living on the mountain underneath neath a cloudless sky. I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. I'm feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply, for I am dwelling in Beulah land. We have a bountiful supply of manna and water in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and as we start to look at the journey of the Israelites through the wilderness, it was one of, it's going to be one, we'll see as we go through, it's one of war and battles. We must learn the important fact. It took them a long time to do it. They wanted to keep getting back to in, to, to Egypt to the garlic and all the things that they liked in Egypt they kept complaining to Moses but until we learn that there's nothing in Egypt and there's nothing in the desert on which we can live except that it comes from God we cannot exaggerate the importance of this really I do honestly believe that this is so important there is nothing in this world to sustain us Accept what I receive from God. That, that's it. As the Israelites travelled through the wilderness, the life of eating manna was one of complete daily dependence upon God. Daily. They, they ate the manna that day. If they kept it, it didn't keep till the next day. So they had to be dependent upon God for the next day that manna would come. Except on a, 
on a Friday they got double portion they could collect double portion on a, on a, on a Friday because they didn't collect it on the Sabbath and it didn't go off it didn't it, it, it lasted but they had to they had to trust God completely that there would be manna there the next day and there was it was one of daily trusting Why did God feed his people man? Why? There's a good verse. Deuteronomy 8.16 Deuteronomy 8.16 Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not they, they, this was a new thing God was, was giving them. That he might humble thee. And that he might prove thee. To do thee good at thy latter end. Here we have the reason. So that we would be humble. So that we will be humble. And depend completely upon God. And not on ourselves. That's why he gave them the manna, so that they would be dependent on him and not on themselves. And then it says to prove, here's his proving again, testing, as, as a, he wanted to test to see the caliber of the people and to purify them so that they would be like pure silver and pure gold. He wanted to test them so that he could do them good at the end and you know God has wonderful things in store for you and for me and he's watching us and he's testing us and he's humbling us day by day to be dependent upon him to be totally dependent on him there are no natural mercies from the wilderness only fiery serpents spiritual drought spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst that's all we'll get from the desert, from the wilderness. We must look for nothing from this world but death. That is all this world has to offer and nothing to offer us as Christians. Nothing. Therefore, if we accept that fact, it will make us realize that we have to live in utter dependence upon God. We're repeating ourselves. I know that. I'm, I'm repeating myself. <laughs> but we must learn this fact. There's nothing in this world for Christians to depend on. We have to depend completely and solely upon God. Now turn to Mark. Mark chapter 1. Jesus had been baptized. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts. Forty days. Forty is a time of testing, a time of... Moses was in the, the, the backside of the desert for forty years. The children of Israel were forty years in the wilderness. Christ was tempted forty days. Forty is a very significant number. When our Lord was tempted by Satan, 
What was his answer? Satan came and tempted him. And what was his answer? You have to go back to Matthew chapter 4. Here he was in the desert, surrounded by wild beasts, just like the children of Israel. Just like you and me. We're surrounded by people and by Satan roaring around, as a, going around as a roaring lion, seeking, to, seeking to, to devour us. And he answered in verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. We, as we travel through this necessary wilderness journey, we must be living, feeding on the living bread from heaven, and drinking deeply of the living water in order to survive. If we're feeding on anything else, it's going to be failure. wonderful thing is Christ has been in the wilderness he went out into the wilderness before us you know that uh, story where he sat at Syker's well in John chapter 4 came back with bread for him and he said he didn't need it they couldn't understand it and in 4.31 he said to them 4 verse 34 my meat my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work in this as he went through the wilderness through this earth his meat was to do the will of his father our meat is to do the will of God in our lives and to finish the work you know in, in John 17 I finished the work that they gave us me to do he said to his father Paul said I have fought a good fight I finished the course go right on to the end you know in these Commonwealth Games and things that have been on they don't win the race by stopping a, a yard off the, the finishing line. They run right to the end. And that's what we have to do. And that's what Jesus did. And to finish the work. Finish his work. That should be our goal. Our aim. Our object in our life as we go through the wilderness. It was our master's will to do his father's will. And it should be our desire and our will. To do his will. Used to sing that. I'm feeding on the living bread. I'm drinking at the fountain head. And whoso drinketh Jesus said. Shall never never thirst again. What? Never thirst again? No. Never thirst again. What? Never thirst again? No. Never thirst again. And whoso drinketh Jesus said. Shall never never thirst again. There's a great passage in Isaiah chapter 12. We'll finish with this. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 1. In that day thou shalt say. This was a great promise to Israel. But it's an encouragement to us. In that day thou shalt say. O Lord I will praise thee. Thou, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away. And thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. 
I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now lovely. With joy. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Oh, as we go through this wilderness, Make sure that like the Israelites, we live daily in total dependence upon him. Amen.